I'm going to quote some figures now. We agreed that I'd do these figures because if they're wrong, it lands on my toes. <laughs> uh, but these figures, depending on each figure that I give you, if you look at three different papers, they might vary slightly. I haven't, although I've seen other figures from less well-known sources. All of these have come from mainstream press or from the official government websites. Okay? So, and I'm going to give you two relating to flu. One is, from this period, 2016-2017, that year, the flu figures were approximately 55,000. The equivalent period, 2019-2020, 379. <laughs> I'm going to give you another figure, which I got this morning. I asked somebody else, supplied this figure to me. 2019, in week 40 to 41, flu deaths, 1,251. 2020, week 40 to 41, official deaths from flu, 61. And the response that made me laugh when I quoted these figures to somebody the other day was, COVID must have got them first. The point is, the official COVID deaths, if you add them to the figure of the 379, are still less than the flu figures from 2016-17. It's crazy. People aren't getting treated for cancer. They're not getting treated for heart disease. They're not getting treated. A lady that came on this show, Jill Nicholas, an artist, is due to have an operation for a cataract that are developing at an alarming rate. She's now almost completely blind. She can't get her operation. It's not deemed as critical. There are a lot of people who... I say you work with the percentages. This is another theory of mine. I've given you a couple. 0.07% of people who contract COVID die, apparently, official figures. Then you go into the percentage of people that are symptoms than those that don't flip the other side i say i don't know anybody not one single person that hasn't experienced a dip in mood lack of sleep some form of mental health problem some very severe including people very close to me because of this onslaught the news blackout and the covid mania now news blackout in my lifetime i've never seen it or believed it i've never seen a news blackout where a lot of other news, 95% of the stories in the news, 25 stories I read on Saturday in the news in a row on the Apple News. I think 25 stories, 23 COVID. Wow. Two others. One was something to do with David Williams falling out with Simon Carroll. Real news. There isn't one person I know, so that is 100% of people that have had the news on. And listening to this... I've experienced mental health problems. I'm one of them. I've experienced really bad anxiety. Yesterday morning and the day before, I couldn't relax. I couldn't concentrate. I couldn't actually be around Steph at the time because I didn't want her to catch this really bad anxiety I had. I didn't want to give it her. I was, I, sometimes I get overwhelmed with it. Now, any logic would tell you, you start with the 100% of people and you work back this way to the 0.07% of people. And this 100% of people who experience problems, some of those are severe, you know, and some of them are taking their own lives. A lot of suicides, we're getting the odd story from somebody we know. I think if we assess the suicide figures, why aren't they giving us a daily suicide figure? I think it's because it's higher than the daily COVID figure, which isn't accurate anyway. It is the majority population that need to be our government's concern rather than the minority. The minority who we know can be treated in many instances, the minority who we know we can put prevention steps in place, the minority we know who we can offer protection to, we need to focus on 
what the impact of the lockdown is on the vast majority of people. Yeah. There's clever manipulation used in some things. One is, for example, if you say 10 million people tested for COVID today, 10 million people, even though it's a fraction of those people that have symptoms, you hear the big figure, the 10 million. So they're reporting this big number. It doesn't mean anything. It means absolutely nothing. But this big number, and what happens, psychology, psychology, you remember the big number, 80,000, 100,000, and that number, not what it means, you know. Secondly, wearing a mask, they cleverly, you wear a mask, it's not for you. You're protecting everybody else. So if you don't do it, if you didn't go to war in the First and Second World War, you were a coward, you had a white feather, you were labelled, you were shamed. Now, if you go to a protest or... If you're not social distancing or if you're not wearing a mask, and a lot of people have very good reason for not wearing a mask, all of them actually, but if you're not wearing a mask or if you're not social distancing, then you're being inconsiderate and you're risking lives. And wearing the mask is protecting everybody else, not you. So they use that reverse psychology to get you to wear the mask. It's a choice. It's my freedom to choose whether I protect myself or not. But if you're protecting everybody else, you've got to do it. You're then being judged and uh, putting this society into a state of divide, uh, as has happened in so many different ways. It is an us versus them. Um, We are being vindicated for making a personal choice for health reasons, psychological reasons, beliefs. And we are making that choice. And... We are then reminded constantly, oh, you might kill your granny. You need to protect other people. And the the risk of somebody who does not have symptoms, it really isn't what they're making it out to be. This is designed to take oxygen in and exhale, removing the stuff we don't want. Put a mask over it, reduce the oxygen going in, stop the stuff that's supposed to leave your body from being expelled. It's really not healthy to wear a mask. Now, I can, I've read many articles on this and what the government seem to do is there's lots of different science and they choose the bit that supports the narrative. There are many, many articles, reports and documents that quite clearly say that wearing a mask, number one, doesn't work. And secondly, it causes major health problems long-term to the people that are wearing them. And I believe that Wales now is the first place that voted that all school children have to wear masks from this point forward. If I've got that right, there was a vote the other day. I think that's what I read in the paper. That's a very sad day for me. Terrible. Going to the point that you were making about the the forced situation of masks for children and adults and the the implications being made to feel bad for for not wearing one and, and supporting um, the narrative behind that. Um, what seems to be happening, and you're right, there are various studies that support the use of mask wearing and others that um, detract from those kind of uh, results that have been seen. And these are things that have been studied for many, many years. Um, but obviously there's been a huge amount of uh, testing been done this year because yep. previously no one society uh, oh, with the exception of um, China I believe um, with the previous SARS uh, virus and um, nowhere has been enforced mask wearing yeah. so we, we we literally are just going off small studies uh, little cohorts and 
What frustrates me is the potential for harm from them. You've mentioned oxygen. Um, Our oxygen capacity definitely does go down when we wear certain types of masks. Um, Increasing the CO2 within our body, it's a a toxic byproduct of metabolism. We need to get rid of it. You increase that um, and your cells just don't work properly. Um, Our our breath is an excretory pathway. We need to get rid of toxins. Um, our, Our mouths are like the second most dirty mouth and and creatures in the whole of the planet Uh, there's only I think the monitor lizards who have more bacteria in their mouth uh, than humans and if you imagine you're wearing this mask it can be um, however many hours per day depending on what job you do um, and how you travel in things like that and if you don't wash your mask every 20 minutes, if you don't replace your mask every 20 minutes, then you are constantly re-inhaling the bacteria that are coming out from your body that you're trying to get rid of, that are maybe mm-hmm. coming from your oral microbiome that you need to be getting rid of. And um, you are breathing these into your lungs. And my concern is that some of the infections that are being seen and we won't know because no autopsies are being done some of the infections potentially are bacterial infections within the lungs and not even just secondary infections we may not even get that viral exposure uh, that to set off a secondary infection it may just simply be getting bacteria into the alveoli of the lungs and and that shows very, very similar symptoms to what is seen in some of these cases. Exactly, exactly. I'd also like to say a couple of things about masks. One is that not only are people not putting a fresh mask on on a regular basis, a lot of people have got one mask. It's a permanent mask. It's not a blue medical mask. It's a permanent mask. And that's what they were. That's what they were. So it's if you're not replacing the mask, you're doing yourself a lot of harm. Secondly... I've worked with masks in the construction industry and they do what they call a mask fit and I've had training in a mask Mm. fit. Now, this is to protect you, not other people. Mm. But what I'm about to say applies to either. When you have a mask and it's not sealed on your face, it then creates several things. One is if you've got any kind of stubble on and it's not sealed, whatever in there is going to come out, right? But if you put a mask on, imagine a hose pipe and you put your thumb over the end of it like this, you create a extended jet stream. You put a mask over your face, you restrict the airflow going out, and you have, in theory, a two-metre distance, you create jets coming out of the side of this mask that then extend past the two metres. So the masks increase the risk of infection from the research that I've read and from my experience, my opinion, you know. So there's so many reasons why I don't agree with wearing the mask. There's many But even the science is very dubious from my perspective. Track and trace, 12 billion. Doesn't work. Big waste of money. 12 billion. The NHS are apparently going to be put under a lot of stress over the next few weeks. They say they're 80% capacity and they may even get full. Well, if they're only 80% capacity, that's great because normally they're full with people with the flu. So actually, the hospitals a minute are quieter than usual. Secondly, the funding, the 12 billion for track and trace. Simple equation here. Move the 12 billion. Instead of spending it on track and trace, just give it to the NHS. Hey-ho, problem solved. That simple. 
There's been a lot of misappropriation of funds over the last few months with contracts going to companies that have been set up weeks, no tracks record, making faulty products associated with people and relatives of MPs and various other people in positions that are involved in this COVID machine. These are all articles that have been published in the Daily Mail, the Telegraph. I could list all the main newspapers. This is not me making it up, and I don't know if everything's correct. I'm telling you what I've read. And a lot of it, at the very least, you've got a question of what's going on. Now, I had a statistic the other day. Three million children die every year of starvation. A lot more go hungry. That 12 billion that's been spent on track and trace would almost bloody fill that hole. A lot of children wouldn't die from starvation if we didn't waste it on track and trace that, by everybody's admission, hasn't done diddly squat and doesn't work. You know, so that's all we'll do on funding, I think. We'll not go too far into that because the stories are very different and the figures are very different depending on what you read. But all of them point to the fact that there's been a misappropriation of funds. I think that's a nice way of putting it. Maybe tell us a little bit, Becky, about how fear and isolation affects the immune system because this is something you know about. As you've mentioned before, it hugely impacts our mental health. And our mental health, part of that is the the messages that we are saying to ourselves, the, the, the thoughts that we have in our head. And if we are constantly worrying about something, uh, yeah. a vast majority of our thoughts are going to be around that. And if it's something negative, um, something that is causing us to fear for our lives, then we are put into a state of alert by the body. And our our cells, basically, they're always listening. And if we are thinking, oh, um, this is going to happen, oh, that's going to happen, the usual worrisome kind of anxious thoughts, um, then our cells go into um, stress mode, essentially. So our parasympathetic nervous system um, is unable to kick in. So that is our healing mode, our relaxing mode, our anti-stress mode. And so if we can't get control of these thoughts, if we're constantly being surrounded by negative things, worrisome things, we are constantly in sympathetic mode. We are in stress state and our blood goes to our muscles um, ready to run away from things. It goes to our brain, um, but it goes away from our digestive system. It goes away from our um, long term immune system and it means that we can't digest our food properly. We therefore can't absorb our nutrients correctly. Yeah. Um, it means that we get um, a whole host of other symptoms that lead to um, need for medication that therefore has other medic uh, other implications for our general health long term. And um, there's a whole host of reasons why. Um, a constant chronic state of stress um, affects our immune system. But basically, short-term stress is fine for our immune system. It means that we are releasing um, complements, so interleukins. We are releasing these kind of 
good guys into our body that fight infection. So if we were running away from a saber-toothed tiger back in the day, and yeah. um, if it caught us and scratched us, we would have the immune system and the blood clotting factors and all of those things readily available to heal ourselves, pre- protect us from infection, so we wouldn't die from it. Um, what happens now is with the chronic state of um, stress, these interleukins are high constantly. This casta- cascade reaction is constantly um, on a alert and we end up in a state of inflammation and inflammation suppresses our immune system so in the short term it's absolutely fine but when it goes on and on and on it suppresses our white blood cells from doing what they need to do to protect us so you mean for example a sustained period of being in fear and highly stressed listening to the news every day because you're home alone with the tv on listening to that pumping out fear over several months, weeks, months, it's going to make you very ill. Yeah. So inflammation does not just affect our immune system. It doesn't affect doesn't just affect our ability to fight stuff. It affects how we feel pain. It affects our anxiety levels. It affects our rates of depression. It yeah. affects cardiovascular disease. All of these uh, conditions like diabetes, uh, stroke, they're all inflammatory conditions. Um, even yeah. cancer, they believe. So yeah. we are putting ourselves at so much higher risk. Um, yeah. And our immune system protects us from cancer. It protects us from a whole host of other things, not just viruses. A large part of illnesses are caused by stress. It's a massive contributing factor. For example, if you're highly stressed, you don't sleep well. And when you don't sleep, that is the time for your body to rest, repair, heal, grow, and put everything back together again. And if you don't sleep properly, then it affects your appetite and your outlook on the world, your mental health, how you feel, there's a direct correlation to depression. Completely, you know, you completely. Know. And I know from being on high anxiety for any period of time, even for a few hours, I mean high anxiety, I can't eat. I can't eat, I can't think straight. I'm panic. I'm on the verge of a panic attack. I'm very uncomfortable. I can't be around people. I don't want to talk to anybody because I don't want them to know how I'm feeling because it's really not nice. And it's horrible, and I get this like this sick feeling, this knot in my stomach, and it won't go away, and I can't relax, and that really makes me ill. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and um, on the opposite side of the the scale, and um, because lack of sleep affects our hunger and society hormones, in other people it can cause obesity. We overeat and we choose the wrong foods, the high fat, high sugar foods exactly. to comfort yeah. us. And um, when we are not sleeping well, not only are we not healing, not repairing, um, but we are also um, encouraging us to reach for the wrong types of foods in the wrong quantities. Exactly. If I've not slept, if I'd had very little sleep, I have to fire sugar down my neck. I'm, I'm having lots of caffeine. I'm having lots of chocolate, biscuits, crap I don't normally eat. But because my energy levels are so low, the dip, that sugar provides temporary relief from it. But then, of course, you're increasing Get the, the risk of diabetes and, and yeah. you have a crash and your mood changes, all of those things. Yeah, for yeah. sure. So, Becky, I understand that you actually help women with stress. That's right, yeah. 
um, having suffered with stress and depression myself, I realized a number of years ago that that was behind all of my health conditions. Yeah. And so as a result, I don't just help people from a nutrition and herbal perspective. I help them tackle the root causes, which invariably are stress. So the vicious cycle that you get into, the lack of sleep that you've mentioned, the not looking after your diet, the um, lack of desire to exercise, everything that comes as part and parcel of stress and that your gut and brain essentially talk to each other and this connection um, along with your endocrine system your adrenal glands everything that gets triggered by stress chronic stress um, means that when we resolve the root cause which is how you adapt to and how resilient you are to stress um, everything else falls into line. So not yeah. just health conditions, but your weight and how you feel, your mental health, it, it, it's all part and parcel. Yeah. I can't remember the exact quote from the book, but the it's sourced in the book and referenced. It was to do with the medical council that govern insurance companies for medical insurance, and they provided figures, and from their research, up to 90% of all illness is psychosomatic, which means when you ain't thinking correctly, when you don't feel good, when you're highly stressed, you don't sleep well, and then everything else snowballs from that. Your body doesn't work properly. Absolutely. So it's all mind-created. And like Wayne Dyer says, this is, this is the operating system. When you get this right, everything else takes care of itself. Everything else works properly. So your mind's paramount. Absolutely. Yeah, what you say to yourself and the way that you treat yourself in terms of um, the the beliefs that you have and the thoughts that you are in control of, um, that has such an impact on the rest of your physical health. Yeah, I, I spoke to a very good friend of mine last night and I don't need to tell you who it was for, for them more than anything, but they're upset and various reasons, but part of it's to do with covid and they were crying. It's a man who was crying on the phone and basically said that he couldn't remember the last time he laughed. And that made me so sad mm. because it's somebody I love dearly, you know. And that's sort of how it's become at the minute because all the things that we love to do, all the things that lift our spirit, everything that's social, whether that's dancing and singing, which, by the way, were were banned recently in public places and in venues, dancing and singing. I never thought in my lifetime I would see regulations in place where they try to give us guidelines to outlaw and ban kissing, hugging, holding somebody, being with the people you love, singing, dancing, doing things that are joyous. If you take those out of life, there's not a lot left apart from functionality, you know, and we're not here... As human beings, we're not here to function. We're here to be happy. We're here to experience joy and bliss and love. And I think, like I said earlier, I would rather die standing up than living on my knees. I want to experience life. And if there was a virus that, you know, put lots of lives at risk and that's the official narrative, and if you accept that, then I'll take my chances, thanks. So, Becky, now we'll talk about the effects of antibacterial products on oh. the microbiome. Yeah. That, if people don't know what that is, <laughs> you're going to explain now. But we're basically, we're applying antibacterial creams and gels and other products on us all the time, regularly, during the day, if you're following the guidelines. That's what's happening. That's not good, is it? 
It's not. It's not. Um, and for many reasons. And it's not just what we're applying to our hands. It's the surfaces that we are decontaminating very frequently through the day. It's everything that we are touching now. We feel like it has to be sterile. And this changes our mindset about things. It puts us into fear of um, invisible things. So previously, Dettol, they, they, they market everything based on these invisible nasties that we can't see. So we need to get rid of bacteria. We need to get rid of viruses. These are a natural part of our microbiome. And so our, our microbiome is basically the trillions of bacteria, viruses, and parasites, and yeasts, and various things that live on us and in us. They are part of who we are. So if you think about it uh, from a, a DNA kind of composition, we are actually, um, we are more bacteria and viruses than we are human cells. Yep. Um, about 100 to 1, they believe. Mm -hmm. And so if we restrict the type of bacteria that we're being exposed to, the type of viruses that we're being exposed to, yes, it may offer us some level of protection against very virulent strains, but it's also going to deplete the microbiome that we've got. Now, my concern is that not just regular hand washing. So regular hand washing with normal soap is a normal thing to do. It doesn't have any, apart from drying our hands out, it doesn't have any impl implications really. It's okay to get rid of the dirt and grime, but it's when we start using antibacterial products, so antibacterial soaps and antibacterial gels constantly through the day, as you yeah. mentioned, that we risk introducing these chemicals into us. So if we were to touch our mouth, our nose, our eyes, whilst these products are in there, not only are they containing, I don't know, parabens and things like that that do us no good, but they have antibacterial agents in there and antivirals. And if we ingest this, we are killing off our own natural microbiome. And it is our microbiome, our lovely bugs, as I call them, that yeah. keep our immune system supported, that lower our inflammation, that manufacture energy within the body, that help look after our mental health. Uh, they, they manufacture our serotonin, they manufacture our melatonin. If we kill off our bacteria inadvertently by using these things, then the, the implications are massive for our long-term health. I've had Edwina Staniforth on the show and she spoke about the microbiome and fascinating. I've also had Magnus Molnar on the radio and Magnus went absolutely passionate about the microbiome and it's something that a lot of science now that science in the media doesn't even mention. With antibacterial products, if just by putting it on your skin, I'm assuming it's going to get in. So Maybe not ingested, but it's still going to... You are exposing your skin microbiome to these products that then leaves you susceptible to things like eczema and um, dermatitis, contact dermatitis. You're increasing um, the number of um, cuts and abrasions and th not abrasions, the cuts and things that are on your hands. And um, you are going to end up with open lesions in some instances um, as a result of eczema reactions to these kind of products. 
um, the drying effects of alcohol. We've probably all seen that if we've applied these kind of things. Or drunk lots of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very yeah. dehydrating when we drink it. Yeah. Um, but all of that changes our microbiome. Yeah. And the big thing, it's been known about MRSA for donkey's years now in hospitals. And MRSA is just Staph aureus. It's just a type of bacteria that naturally lives on our skin in a good percentage of the population. And it's, it's only disobedient. It only misbehaves and causes illness when it's growing in the wrong places in the wrong amounts. So if you maintain a healthy microbiome on your skin, it doesn't you are not susceptible to these kind of infections. So the idea is have as many bacteria as you possibly can um, inside us, onside us, and give them a lovely, healthy environment to live in, and they proliferate and keep us healthy. But yeah. if you if you knock them out via whatever means, you that's this is when poor health results. Yeah. I, I have a massive problem with certain cleaning products, and just the smell of them makes me sick. You know, just the smell. And I've been in a restaurant on a number of occasions where they're cleaning the surfaces. Immediately somebody leaves, they then go and clean that surface with a spray. So it's airborne, this, and, and they're liberal with it, spraying it mm -hmm, everywhere. Mm -hmm. Of course, I breathe that in. I've had to leave. I can't. It makes me sick. Mm -hmm. You know, there's certain products for cleaning that are very detrimental to my health. And I'm aware of it just by the smell and the taste. And I, you know. It is just, it's listening to our body and the more in tune we are to what's happening in our body, the more aware we are of these kind of sensitivities. And um, that is stuff that we apply, it's stuff that's in our environment. If we become sensitive to it, yes, there can be kind of ge genetic predispositions to it. There can be um, toxicity that then uh, contributes to these kind of um, symptoms from arising. Um, but it is, it's a signal. It is a message from your body that it doesn't like whatever is going on there. And there will be a reason for that. Next, Becky, I'm going to talk about what we've put on the, the list of topics is the need for community and human touch and to socialise. Now, I know since this all started, I didn't really, I didn't go in the pub very often. Very rare went in the pub, didn't quite much, but I, I could. It was a choice. And occasionally I did. And when I did, I really enjoyed it, but I didn't do it often. Then you're told you can't and you feel quite trapped and it's not a nice feeling when you feel like a victim rather than being empowered. And I desperately, I tell you, when the opportunity comes, I want to go to a festival. I want to oh. dance or jump up and down. I want to be, be in a field with lots of people with the sun shining. I, I close my eyes at night and think of this and I can't wait for that. And I want the opportunity, even going to a nightclub and being able to dance and being around people and smiling. The things that we took for granted that I didn't do as often as perhaps I should because I'm very busy and doing other things. And I, I miss them terribly, you know, and that's it's that's a very watered down version of what we're going to talk about. But God, we need human contact. Absolutely. I know Absolutely. there's certain people I can be around just for one hour and I leave and I feel lifted. I feel good. And, you know, with the guidelines in place, in theory, then you, you can't see those people. And they're the people that you go to, you know, you, your friends. Who lift you up. Yeah. And there's other people that can also pull you down. People yeah. have a very he heavy energy as well. But we know who the people are that lift us up. And to take that away, the, the human spirit 
if you kill the human spirit, everything else slowly starts to die, I think. It's like a flower growing, the sun's shining on it, and it's blossoming, and then you pluck it and you disconnect it from its food source and or, or take it out the sunlight, and it slowly starts to wilt and die, you know. We need that that sunlight, that human energy, that smile. We absolutely do. You know? We absolutely do. Because without a spirit, I mean, who are we and how are we going to respond to what's going on? It's not something that is easy to retrieve. It's not something that's easy to put back together again. Um, we need to maintain our human spirit for sure. And the absence of physical contact, the absence of socialising, all kind of contributes to exactly what you're saying about the, the wilting of our spirit. Yeah. Um, it has been proven in so many studies that um, Happy people, apes healthy. have been studied. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so um, apes, there have been um, occasional human trials as well, but it's mainly done in animal studies. And um, if you take an animal away from its family, away from um, its other companions, and the impact on its physical health and mental health, um, so hair shedding, um, weight loss, um, a whole host of symptoms are seen in in our animal kind of counterparts. Yeah. And it is, it's so sad, but it is proven. And we have these receptors on our, on our shoulders, on our backs that are, that are touch receptors. And if we don't get hugs, if we don't have somebody patting us on our back or just rubbing us on our back, um, we can't reach these. They're, they're here for a reason to make sure that we stay in social contact with our group, with our troop, with our tribe. And if, we cannot have this physical contact if we live alone and we're no longer allowed to have even a bubble and nobody can do that for us. And we need those to maintain our feelings of well-being, our feelings of yeah. health. It's, it's well known that animals in the wild, generally it's documented that there's very few ailments that they have. They live a long life. Animals in captivity, when they're disconnected, they develop tumours, animals become depressed, you know, their health deteriorates rapidly. It's, it's, you know, what's happening to us at the minute is, you know, when you're supposed to lock down is, is isolation, it's house arrest, it's captivity. It's you lack know. of freedom. Yeah. I was talking earlier about groups of people that I felt sorry for the most and one was older people. The other is school children, if they pass these rules to wait them wear masks I'm, that I find that terrifying I think it's terrible but young people teenagers moving up to the teenagers I've seen have been out on the streets playing out as normal and not paying any bloody notice but young people if I think I'm in a relationship I don't socialise that much I don't go out very often that's pre-lockdown you know most people have a more active social life than me. I don't have a very active social life. Young people, it's the time when you, you go out and party. You see your friends. You, you know, maybe you're not in a relationship and you go out and you meet somebody and, and you have a kiss and a cuddle and then you go out and you do it again. You, you can use the, I don't know what term you'd use when you're courting or when you tap <laughs> off and you make new relationships. That period is one of the best periods of your life. And young people who have gone from, going out every Friday, Saturday and seeing the friends and being really happy and socialising to lockdown. I have seen people that are the most happy, bubbly, beautiful people. I'm thinking of one person in particular now, uh, a girl, 
who are very depressed and it, they've never been depressed before in their life. These are the, the happiest, one of the happiest people I've ever seen. They shine, the energy's coming out of them and it's killing it. And I really feel sorry for them because it has a far less impact on my life than it does on theirs. You know, their social life, their circles, their partying, their fun, that time in their life, they're not going to get this back, you know, less of an effect on me and I feel sorry for them, you know. So many people are saying, oh, I can't wait for when we've got the vaccine or I can't wait for um, lockdown to um, finish or I can't wait. We're just going to have the most massive party. It's just going to be a huge celebration. But nobody knows when that date is going to be. Nobody knows when we're going to be allowed to do these things. Uh, The number of uh, festivals and um, nights that have been cancelled over the last few months, um, it it is disheartening. But you're absolutely right. We could be in a way worse situation. Other people have, have been hit much harder. But I have to live in hope that if this is going to come to an end and we're going to, I've got my heart set on this uh, night out that I'm going on in April. And I, we, we have to remain in a state of hope that this is all going to come back again. Yeah. At the moment, it doesn't feel, it feels dismal. Well, there's a few things I'd say to that. And I'm going to be very conservative with what I say as well, because I have my views. But... Number one is we've been told that a lot of things are temporary. Originally, lockdown, a couple of weeks, temporary to protect the NHS. And if the 12 billion from the track and trace had gone to the NHS, then we wouldn't need to protect them anyway. That aside, two weeks, we're nine months in. I don't know how far in we are now, a long time. And we're told there's a four-week lockdown. And then the day after we're told there's a four-week lockdown, we'll have to assess it. It may have to be extended. Look at the signs Use your intelligence. When I walk down the footpath near where I live, there are signs. Now, originally there was paper signs, then there was a couple of metal signs. They've now used plasma paint, what you use for putting white lines in the middle of the road and yellow lines. And they put two metre social distancing signs painted on the footpath. These aren't temporary measures. If you are under the illusion that you think everything's just going to go back to normal in the very near future, I don't think it is. And, you know, this is, like I say, I have to be a bit conservative with what I say here. We've also got a lot of smoke and daggers and other things happening here. For example, if you want somebody to use all their energy, rather than looking where you're going and you bring their attention inward and on what they're doing. Tier three, tier two, tier one, tier three, tier two, lockdown, no lockdown. Shops closed, shops open, pubs open, pubs closed. If you constantly poke somebody and you keep them off balance, it takes all the attention and all the energy. And rather than looking forward and focusing and looking at the bigger picture and standing back in a perspective, all your energy is taken from just trying to stay upright. Yes. Keeping you off balance, constantly changing the rules, never know whether you're coming or going. Yeah. These are tactics used in lots of other Mm. places. And like I say, I'd be very careful about what I say. But from where I'm saying, this this rhythm, this pattern is designed to disrupt. You know, and that's it's exhausting. Yeah. You literally can't plan, you don't know what's happening one week to the next. You know, and I'd say like if you I looked at animals and I think 
if you look at animal behavior, you can quite often learn a lot from it. Birds navigate by, there's actually something in the head and it allows them to move within the Earth's electromagnetic field and they know where the north and south is and that's how they navigate. Ants follow a signal, there's a signal emitted and they work in uniform and in lines and they work together. Now there's a signal being emitted that we listen to all day, every day. That's the television and it's pumping out negative energy designed to disrupt this frequency like with ants it's causing certain kinds of behavior and i know quite simply if i don't watch television for a couple of days i detach from social media and i don't go on the computer a couple of days go for some nice walks in nature i'm all right again yeah. i get my balance back i feel good yeah I dive into it full steam and even though my motivations might be good and it's because I have a message that I want to send out to people and it may be that I feel like I'm helping a cause and I'm doing a good thing, it still takes all of my energy. So you need to regularly detach from this yeah. noise, from this, when you let the, the noise outside, this disruption in and it controls your inner emotional state, you lose your power. So you need to regularly detach and just have some peace. It's so important, not just on a, a daily basis, but on an hourly basis, even a minute by minute basis, to be aware of where you're at in terms of what's happening inside your head um, and who you are giving your power to and where you're at physically and mentally. And um, just having that awareness means that you can do something about it. If you realize that you've sat there and watched three hours of, of television giving you those same negative messages, just having that awareness means that, oh, actually, yeah, I'm going to go and take a walk in nature. I'm going to take a break from this. Um, it's so important to realize what you're doing. It was actually Rich Roll who does a podcast and I, I saw a post the other day and it was just, you know, when you get just what you need at the right time. And this Paul said that no matter when things get tough, just remember your spiritual practice. And I was really struggling. I did my yoga and then I meditated and my practice hasn't been consistent lately because I've been getting very distracted and I felt so much better. Oh, of course. Meditation and yoga for about 20 minutes between the two and it fixed me, you know. And then I went for a three-hour run as well. That helps <laughs> as well. But... Yeah, the things that make you feel good, make them a priority. Absolutely. Do those things. You can still do a lot of the things that make you feel good without living in fear. If you are listening to the guidelines at the minute and you're following those with social distancing, then there's a lot of things you can still do within that. You go for a walk in nature. You listen to a beautiful piece of music. You listen to an audio book that makes you feel good. You bake a cake. Whatever it is that makes you feel good, if you do that, prioritise it, put something every single day, allocate some time, do something you love, be with somebody you love if you're comfortable to do so and if you can. Do those things because that's the thing that's going to get you through this. Absolutely. It's finding some inner peace and happiness amongst all this noise that's going on outside. Yeah. Just prioritising the care of yourself and prioritising love for yourself um, above and beyond whatever else is happening because you can control that you control those things that you do for yourself and having just one thing each day to look forward to um, really changes like you say yeah that focus that direction that that 
uh, motivation that you have. When we don't have something to look forward to, our drive, our motivation, our inspiration, everything just goes. So uh, what I would say is uh, just have one thing each day to look forward to. And it might be something as silly as just having a, a bath and reading a book yeah. there or whatever makes you tick. Dancing for five minutes. Dancing, absolutely. Whatever. Every hour. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I haven't been political for a long time and I'm veering in two directions and I've been ridiculed for it and I don't care. One is Nigel Farage is now having a party that's going to be the anti-lockdown party and getting everything back to normal. Now, like him or not, and I actually quite like him, but like him or not, For me, he's talking a lot of sense, you know, and I've listened to some of his videos and stuff. And the other thing is with the US election, as of now, I don't know the result. It may have happened while we've been recording this. It's it's imminent. I pray to God that Trump wins. A lot of people might think that that seems crazy. I don't really care at this moment in time about 90 percent of the other policies. What I care about is if Trump gets into power, the mask come off come out of lockdown that's what happens in america and when they do that i think a lot of the world will follow suit if Biden goes into power then the masks stay on and the lockdowns aren't severe enough apparently and it's going to make everything a whole lot harder you know i i pray that trump gets in and starts pushing back that's what i hope my opinion yeah, everything's my opinion, not an expert. I'm allowed to have an opinion and I might be wrong. Absolutely. Yeah. I concur. Becky, we've, honestly, if there weren't time constraints to this now, this could be an eight-hour podcast. Oh, I, I could we, talk about it forever. There's certain topics here. We had to agree what we were going to skip and not include in the show. We had to agree what we were going to skip over and touch on briefly. Because this, I mean, where do you start? There's so much to talk about. But I feel like we've had a good go and I feel like we've been fair and everything that I've cited has been from mainstream press or anything I've cited. It's not me making these figures up. I haven't used much figures anyway, but the figures I have used, I've taken straight out of the mainstream press or off government websites. I've used their figures, you know, even though I don't necessarily agree with their figures, their figures still illustrate my point, you know, and I don't necessarily agree with those figures. I am bloody delighted you came on the show. I'm really happy. And I think we've we've had a good go. We've we've done our best. We've done it justice. It's a difficult show to do and it's not something I initially wanted to talk about, but I feel we have to and I've tried to do it in an intelligent manner and in a respectful manner and I hope we've achieved that, you know. And I've made it very clear you don't necessarily agree with everything I say. I don't want to drag you into everything, <laughs> all my uh, opinions, but I brought you on for your expertise and... And your beautiful self. Oh, no, I I appreciate you doing this. It is a topic that needs to be discussed. And for um, reasons, various reasons, we are not really feeling at liberty to do that for fear of judgment by other people. And when we try to keep within something that we feel passionate about the impact that it has on our mental and physical health is immense and so we hold 
these negative emotions within us and we know that it causes ailments. We know that it causes health conditions. And if I can, having done this, encourage just one person to speak out about how they feel, to acknowledge how they feel about not just this subject, but about anything that they have been holding back on, then please give accept this as permission to speak your mind speak your voice because it is so so important two or three weeks ago i wouldn't discuss this topic i didn't want to get into it at all and it was making me ill it was really really getting me down and i felt really i felt like i was being suffocated you know and it was affecting me in a big way and then i thought you know what whatever the consequences i have to be able to say my opinion you know, I have to be able to express myself, even just simply simply saying that I don't agree with this. I don't agree with that. And I did get judged for it and I did get some not nice messages, but I feel a lot better. Yeah. You know, I don't feel great, but I feel a lot better than I did because I was suppressing everything. And yeah. it, that just won't do. It's not it's not what we were designed for. Don't hold it in. And especially guys as well tend to bottle these things up rather than talking to people. And if we're removing those social situations where we generally have a natter about things, get the weight off our shoulders, vent about stuff. If we have lost that opportunity, then we are all the more likely to hold things in. And so just let it go. Yeah, yeah. I say expression. To express something, X as in former as in past, and press as in pressure. To express something is to remove X pressure, remove the pressure, relieve the stress. To express yourself is to get what's in, out. And if you don't express yourself, whatever's in there, especially if it's negative, will manifest and you'll become ill, you know, and you'll be in dis-ease. For sure. Of course, yeah. Becky, it's been wonderful. I'd like to give the opportunity because I've done a lot of talking Mm -hmm. and we haven't focused specifically on elements of nutrition. I got you on here because I really wanted your your knowledge. But tell us if somebody wants to get in touch with you and have a look at elements of nutrition, where do they look? I know you're prominent on Facebook and you have a website, for example. So maybe tell us about that. So on Facebook um, is where you're likely to contact me um, with the most ease and that is Elements of Nutrition. Just look me up on Facebook and you'll find me there. Um, You can also find me at my website, which is elementsofnutrition.me.uk. And you can find me on Instagram and LinkedIn under my name, uh, Becky Jones and Elements of Nutrition. So I would love to help if you've got any questions after this today. I would be happy to answer those personally. And so please do get in touch. And it's Becky with a B-E-C-C-Y, isn't it? That is me. Two C's. Thanks for watching, folks. Uh, It's been my pleasure, as always. This show will be out on YouTube, at least one show every week. Four days later, it comes out on Podbean, Spotify and iTunes. You can buy the book on Amazon and loads of other places. You can catch the radio show every Monday night from 11 till 12, midnight till midnight on Salford City Radio, 94.4 FM. You can also follow me on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn and Facebook. And you can go to the website, midnightmcbride.com. Thank you very much for watching. Shalom.